Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. <clears throat> ah, I am your host, Larry Morrison, and it is a gorgeous morning where I am. I hope wherever you are, it is beautiful outside. Enough to get out and play in it. Ah, hmm. Oh, you ever have one of those thoughts? Those questions that come from within that you're just like, oh, wow, I need to play with this. I had one of those come to me a few days ago. Blew me away and I want to explore it with you. It's like one of those Zen Buddhist questions that's designed to put you in like a, like a, objective distance from what's going on and really contemplate things it's an enlightenment question similar to one of my favorite enlightenment questions that came to me that i've talked about many times that we've built upon which is how would you know you're brainwashed and if you don't know how to answer that question without listening to the answers then it's a great thing to step back and go holy shit how would you know you're brainwashed One of my other famous ones that I love, that is one of my first ones, actually, that I started using when talking to people is, um, if you're not following your inner guidance, what are you following? If you're not listening to your heart or following your heart, what are you following? What are you listening to? And those are the ones that are like, whoa, yeah, what, whoa, (laughs) great question, right? Well, here's the next one. The one for today, rather. How would a God show courage? How would a God with infinite power show courage or even experience courage? You can't experience courage without danger. Because courage is rising to meet a challenge with danger associated with it of some sort. Right? I mean, the the most obvious one that most people will understand if we were just using a fantasy is the classic knight's tale hero's journey of rescuing a princess from a dragon, right? And don't get caught up in the gender roles nonsense. It's just fantasy. So so to go off on a quest like that and all that it entails, to go rescue a princess from a dragon, you'd have, have danger along the journey. And you would have to, when you encountered the dragon, there had to be some consequence to losing. But more than that... The real thing that causes courage is fear. How could you show courage if you weren't afraid? If you weren't afraid of the dragon, if you knew it was fake, you couldn't show courage. Or if you knew you had infinite power, you couldn't show courage. (sighs) 
So how does a God show courage? How does it experience fear? When it's eternal, unending. There is nothing else but source, but unconditional love. That's all there is in existence. To exist is to be unconditional love and to be unconditional loved forever. There is nothing else out there. It's just us. Unconditional love exists to be felt. That is its purpose. Nothing else has a reason for existing. Other than what unconditional love itself has created. Right? Happiness has no reason to exist other than to be felt. But that's what unconditional love created. A complementary energy to itself. To add to its magnificence. Joy, bliss, ease, gratitude, abundance. These are all frequencies it's... It uses as a complementary energy, all supporting the crown jewel of unconditional love, all a part of unconditional love. But there's nothing else out there. There's no adversary, there's no other God. Because nothing else had a reason to exist. It's just us, boys and girls, for eternity. So, let's imagine that you are Source. Hypothetically, of course. (laughs) You are Source, it's a joke. Let's imagine you're Source, hypothetically. You literally have infinite power. Everything can be created with a thought. You have infinite intelligence. All the wisdom in the universe is known by you because it is you. And it's constantly expanding, which is a fascinating concept to understand or play with. Because we exist outside of time, but we'll we'll dive into that later, if ever. I don't know. Infinite intelligence that's constantly expanding. Infinite perception. Every single thing you can see from an infinite different number of perceptions. Which is why we kept creating more gods, like ourselves, made from unconditional love. Because we're making different perceptions, different mirrors in order to look at ourselves and see our own magnificence. And understand who we are so that we could evolve. Multiple perceptions help you evolve. Well, a singular perception will keep you stuck. So infinite intelligence, infinite power, infinite ability, infinite perceptions, and of course, quite obviously, infinite love. 
infinite, unconditional love. Conditional love is only experienced here in this game of contrast. But there it is. If you had all of this, infinite ability, infinite power, infinite love, how could you ever show courage? There's nothing to oppose you. There's no adversary to unconditional love. There's no, no, there's no dark, darkness, no devil. That's all nonsense. The devil itself, when it comes to uh, all the literature that ever references it from the Bible to whatever, is talking about the ego. It's referencing, referencing the ego. How else could the devil tempt you if it wasn't in your fucking head all the time? That's the ego, the conditional of brainwashing, the self-saboteur, the programming that makes you believe you're human, that wants to stay stagnant, that only likes singular perceptions, that hates change. It's a fucking narcissist. That's the devil. Or that's what it's referencing, is your ego. That's what we would call it in today's language. But that doesn't oppose source energy. That's just a part of the game. It is source, because all things are one. It's all that is. Let's take a step back, shall we? Let's go back to the dragon and rescuing the princess and going on the hero's journey. If you were going to play that out, let's say you were going to play that out in your imagination, right? I want you to imagine, and if you're a female rescuing a prince, that doesn't matter, or a golden goodie, or whatever, a pet, or a jewel, or who gives a shit. You're rescuing something from a dragon. You have a reason to slay a dragon, okay? And face it in your mind. A giant castle that's abandoned, and it's there's this dragon towering on top of burning everything and you're running through the maze and the labyrinth you're trying to get to it like imagine it how could you be afraid of it it's in your imagination it's in your domain you are both it or it's puppet master the dragon's puppet master controlling it and you're the knight or the warrior or what have you trying to defeat it How could you be afraid of it? It's in your imagination. You're in control of it. How could you sow courage against an imagined threat in your head? Like if you're imagining the scene and trying to fight a dragon. How could you show fear? How could you experience fear if it's in your head? There's only one way. If you thought it was real. If you thought it was real and that you could really die, (gasps) so dramatic, I die and I go into a black void, an abyss, or I don't know what's going to happen, which was why you ripe your memory. Don't you get it? How does a god show courage? You'd have to wipe your memory to forget that you're god with infinite power and ability. Put yourself in a simulation or a game where you restrict the infinite power and ability, and then you'd have to think the danger was real. You'd have to be brainwashed to believe the danger was real. 
the wiping of the memory does a lot. But then the parents or the people that are playing this game with you, they program you. Now, technically, you program yourself because it's your game. But they help. You know what I'm saying? But they program you with all this, oh, be, don't be, be, you know, kids are, they don't, they're, they don't give a shit. They, they have no fear. Because we come from unconditional love. Fear is new to us here. And children are trying to get acclimated to the game. And so the parents are so fucking scared of everything. Don't touch that. Don't do that. Oh my God. <laughs> all the fucking time. <laughs> I was sitting in a, right next to the beach um, writing and I literally was doing a lot of people watching because it was right um, I was parked my RV and was writing on my laptop like literally where all the people were headed down to the beach and so it's just great people watching and um, and so many times to see parents yelling at their kids for no reason Put your shoes on. You're going to burn your feet. And the kids are like, I don't want to. Do it. Like, why not let them just fucking burn their feet? Like, what's the big deal? What's going to happen? You're going to have to saw off the fucking foot or something? They burn their feet. Then they decide to, like, it's just so bizarre to me how terrified parents are that their kids are going to get hurt. The body heals itself. They'll be fine. You're not going to fucking bubble wrap the world. Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line and let them fall down? So they can go, okay, you skinned your, you skinned your knee. Now you learn not to fucking, you know. You got to watch for your feet and they're going to cry a little bit and the body's going to heal and it's going to be fine. Like they need to learn that way. You can't fucking bark orders at them. Everything is learned through experience here. I'm going to take your toys away if you don't put your shoes on. Like, what are you talking about? Let them burn their feet. And then they'll be like, oh, mom, I need, I need those shoes. Yeah, no shit. Like, you, didn't, you don't have to do as much that you think you do. It's all fear-based. <gasps> this place is so scary. It's a fucking horror movie. The amygdala is hardwired into the body, into the experience, so that you constantly have to look over your shoulder at fear. So that you have to face fear, so that you're always afraid. Because how does a god show courage? Through fear. Through believing that this place is real, and being afraid of it. Afraid to die, afraid to get hurt, afraid for your kids to get hurt. Afraid to grow broke, afraid, afraid to uh, not reach your heart's calling. Or not have a fulfilling life, afraid to get to the end of the life and being like, shit, I didn't do too much. There's so many fears, it's ridiculous. But how does a God show courage? I, I found this great line I put in my book.
you can't have what is, I think it's uh, you can't have courage without danger even if you only think the danger is real have you ever had an experience I'm sure you have I'd be shocked if you didn't morning Ever had an experience where you were terrified of something? Like, truly worried about something big. Maybe you had a loved one in the hospital in a tough spot, or, or you were in a hospital in a tough spot. Or maybe, you know, you're afraid to lose your job and have to go home and tell your family that's you know, whatever, you might have to move, or who knows, or maybe you realize you're in an abusive relationship, and you're truly terrified of this bully flying off the handle and hurting you or your kids, like, have you ever had, like, a serious, terrifying situation, doesn't have to be out any of those examples, but just remember the terror that you felt, And now look back at it. (laughs) You look back at it and you go, I remember the fear, but I don't remember why I was afraid. I remember, I'm looking at, I'm looking back in my memory at this specific time years ago, back when I was in real estate, and there was this big deal that I was so terrified it was going to fall through, and it did actually end up falling through. And then it fell through, which means the money I'd expected from it fell through too, and I was fucking flat broke. (laughs) one of the many times and um, I remember the terror I remember thinking I'm going to have to move out of this place because I can't afford it and which I did have to do but um, I remember the terror and I even remember the reason why but I'm looking at both of them going why was I so afraid because I know what came after which is everything worked out, right? Some other deal came through and I had to move, but the move was good because hey, it actually got me to where I wanted to be. But it just was another chain in the journey of life that got me closer to where I am now, right? So everything, like looking back, you're not afraid of it because you know what's going to come next. Because what you were really afraid of when you were terrified was the unknown. But when you look back, you have the known now. Like when you look back, what younger Larry was terrified about was the blank space of what comes next. But I can look back and I know what filled in that blank space. So while I can look back and be like, I know why I was terrified. I know the feeling and I know the reason. I look back with what I know what comes next. So there's really like no reason to look like what was I so afraid of what was I really afraid of was the unknown 
I was afraid of looking into the abyss and not knowing what was coming because the ego was so terrified of it. The amygdala. I was in full flight or fright, flight, fright or freeze, but not based on based squarely on worst-case scenario in the imagination. The dragon was in the imagination of worst-case scenarios. Oh, I'm going to have to move out, which I did, which, again, at the time seemed like a really big deal. But now looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, fine. it's fine. You moved places and it worked out great. It worked out exactly how I was supposed to. I was really more worried about being a failure than anything besides the unknown Um, so do that yourself for a second before I go any further look back at a time when you were just extremely terrified and break it down like what were you really afraid of like I said for me I, was, I can see now that I was terrified of the unknown and the worst-case scenarios that were dominating my imagination. And the worst-case scenarios were I'm going to be a failure and I'm going to have to move out. And then looking at it now from what came afterward, because it's now known, I can be like, why is it a failure if I have to leave a place because I can't afford it and find somewhere else? Why is that a failure? And why was I so afraid of that? What does it mean to fail? Remember always, failure always means there's an ending. You can't have a failure without an ending. I always look at sports or a game, but let's just stay with sports. A football game, has an ending. The clock runs out. And that's why you could say you failed to reach your goal of the Super Bowl or whatever it is, or just the victory on that game, because the clock ran out. There's an ending. There's a definitive end. Like, oh, he failed to complete those passes and win that game, or or as a team they failed today to realize their goal, yada yada, because there's an ending. But as a person, how are you a failure when you don't have an ending? Yes, the human body dies and this life ends and the story that you are playing out will end. But if you're listening to this, the end hasn't happened yet. So how could you be a failure if there's no ending? Right? Let me use my example from earlier. I was so afraid of being a failure, but the instance that I was terrified about where I lost that big deal, it was just another step in this chain of learning about finances, learning about entrepreneurship, learning about the swings of real estate, the highs and lows, and that's with any Uh, not any, I guess, entrepreneurial endeavor, but a lot of them have that same, you know, you get a big windfall or whatever. 
you get a big chunk of money that you got to live off. I, I was surprised that farming is a lot like that too. I was talking to a farmer years ago, and they, you know, a whole year's worth of work they get paid in one one check, basically. And they do this whole thing and they harvest the crops. They, the guy I was talking to was an almond almond farming almond trees, and. Uh, I think he made like it was something ridiculous. It was like uh, it was like 150, 200,000, 150,000 or something like that for that was his year's worth of work. You know, we got all the harm, all of it harvested and blah blah blah, and sent it off to the whatever it goes. You know, almond factory or whatever packaging factory. Fuck knows. And uh, they give him a check for 150,000, Norton, and so. Um, but, you know, obviously you had to make that last the entire next year. And that's including, you know, buying new equipment. And it's including hiring people to run the fields and stuff. And, like, all that's got to last. So, or maybe that was just his profit. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, like, he got paid in one chunk, one yearly money that he had to run to the next year, right? And so a lot of times in entrepreneurship, things are like that, where you've got to get, you've got a big... It feels like a big chunk of money, but it's got to last until the next big chunk. And so um, that high and low can really terrify some people, which is why they'd rather stick to a job because the, the steady paycheck. I mean, besides the fucking bullshit lie of benefits, but which is basically just medical insurance... I mean, people say they do, they, they go to jobs they hate just for benefit. It's, like, so fascinating to me. Like, you know you can buy insurance, right? Like, anyway. So, um, besides the lie of benefits, which I'll maybe get into some other time, the steady paycheck is why people go. Because they can't handle the roller coaster of the big win and then the waiting to the next big win why they go to work so um, anyway I bring that up because the idea of failure means that it's over like oh this deal this real estate deal fell through so now I'm flat broke so I'm a failure like you want to end it at the bottom so you're like oh this failure's over like end your life or end the game or say oh, I'm a failure because of this but if that led to this next giant windfall because of something you learned in the in the valley of life would that be a failure no obviously not to have a failure to be a failure there must be an ending but if there's no ending to you because you're listening to this your life isn't over yet right how could you be a failure and why am I so, af- or why was I so afraid of it? Well, if you are afraid of it, why are you afraid of it? I was talking to one of my friends who's a piano teacher, a spiritual piano teacher. Some of you might know him. And uh, he talked about when you're teaching someone piano, they have to be unbrainwashed of that making mistakes are bad. He calls them perfect mistakes. Because how do you learn anything? When you learn to walk, you fall down a bunch of times. When you're learning anything, you learn through contrast. You learn through experience. You learn how to not to do something. 
right? Makes tons of perfect mistakes. So he's like, in the beginning and throughout the teaching process, you have to unbrainwash them when all the other teachers brainwashed into them, which is they have to do things perfectly and right off the bat do things perfectly. He's like, no. He called it discovery mode. He's like, you're always in discovery mode. Like you're playing a piece and then you hit a, a wrong key or whatever and you just discovered the, wrong, the, the way not to do that. Oh, I discovered like my mechanics in my hands or in my, you know, kind of feeling weren't aligned right. And you just do it again until it's right. But if you get all hung up on, oh my God, I made a mistake, I'm a piece of shit, like, how does that help your growth? It doesn't. It stifles it. He said, too many piano teachers teach as if you're going to have a recital, as if it's got to be perfect. But he said, like, what if you never have a recital? Then you're putting all that pressure on yourself to be perfect when it doesn't need to be that way. And now you've lost the love for piano or the love for music because you're so worried about it being perfect. And then you look at something like jazz where it's basically improv the whole time. I mean, not, not all jazz, obviously, but like there's certain types of music that are just like improv music. Like you're just kind of feeling what's coming through and just kind of playing. And it doesn't have to sound a certain way. There's no, there's no perfection where it's all perfection. So how do you know that the thing that you consider a failure is a perfect mistake in order to learn something that you need for the next challenge or the next adventure or what have you. You don't. But the labeling it as a failure or a mistake stifles your energy and the ego now has full control of how you perceive that thing. The ego is your opponent in this game. The ego is the dragon. And it's not... What's fascinating about this dragon in particular in this game we call life is that you don't have to be afraid of it, per se. You don't have to be afraid of anything. But the dragon doesn't make you afraid of it. And it makes you afraid of everything else. The dragon or I like to call the ego the parasite, it doesn't want you to look at it because A, you would probably defeat it if you started looking at it. So what it does is it doesn't make you afraid of it. It makes you afraid of everything else. I mean, think about it. We're afraid of an earthquake or a flood or a fire or heavy rains or too cold as snow or global warming. Like, we're afraid of our Mother Earth, the one that shelters us and protects us? Yes, she can be, she can get upset from time to time. Or she can seem vengeful or angry. But that's all just the cycle. It's all just stuff that happens. If we don't label it or give it any meaning, it just is. Oh, okay, there's a tsunami. Okay, we'll just get away from there. Instead of, oh my God, God hates us. Look at all the devastation. 
Ah! We're the one that built all that. Why, why are we afraid of rebuilding? <laughs> oh my god, I just spent all these hours making this Lego creation and the, it just came and destroyed it. Now I gotta rebuild. So who cares? Why are we afraid of rebuilding when things are destroyed? Why is that such a pain in the ass? Because we look at it, we perceive it, or the ego helps us perceive it as endlessly rolling a boulder uphill just to have it fall back down and roll up again. But rebuilding, oftentimes, more often than not, when you rebuild something, you find a better way to do it. Think about it. You build something, let's say you build a house and it's your first house and you built it from scratch. I've never done that. It's just an analogy, okay? But let's say you built your first house from scratch and you really think it's badass and then an earthquake takes it all down or whatever. It's a flood or whatever. Well, then don't you think when you go back the second time you're going to be like, you know what? There's a lot of things I would have done differently now that I know how it turned out. And if you're okay with like, well, thank you, let's start from scratch and start over and you don't make it a fucking big deal, then you can rebuild and go, I want to leave this out, I want to add this, I want to take this, I'm definitely keeping this, right? You can evolve it. That's what we've been doing as a human species for the dawn, since the dawn of time. Or since we were put on this planet, what do you want to say? We build something... Something destroys it, we rebuild it better, stronger, faster the next time. So why are we so afraid of destruction? Why are we giving it so much meaning? Because the parasite has infected us and made us say, oh, this gets destroyed, God doesn't love me. What? How do you know it's not getting destroyed? How do you know your house of cards isn't getting knocked down so you can build it back better? How do you know this isn't the game with the three little pigs? One builds with straw, one builds with sticks, one builds with stone. What if you looked at the three little pigs as one pig, one person, who learned three different times what, like, how to do it? First you set out, like, oh, I've never done this before. Oh, the straw is everywhere. It's super easy to build things with. Oh, I'm going to be done in no time. Sweet, I got this nice straw place. Oh, strong wind, son of a bitch. Okay, well, can't build with straw anymore. Let's try something else. Definitely needs to be sturdier. Let's try these sticks. Let's try this wood. I'm going to build this, this nice hut with wood. Shit. The normal winds and rains were fine, but this really strong, powerful wind knocked it all down. Damn it. All right, let's try stone. Stone and cement and mud and whatever. Bam! Now that thing stands for 30 years or what have you. Do you get it? But if you make it, if, if that pig or person or whatever you want to say was all distraught about their... St- God hates me for knocking down my fucking straw house. Oh my God, what am I going to (laughs) do? I'm a failure. 
really, or you're learning. You're learning what not to do. Why is all this necessary? Why are we talking about this? Because it's all about perception. When you perceive failure as a perfect mistake in a chain of evolution, you dust yourself off and try again without the story that God is trying to fucking punish you. I lost all my savings. God hates me. Or it's trying to show you not to put your security into money. That security comes from the inside. Right? Just like I was talking about that real estate deal. Super terrified. But something happened that worked out. And so I have another link in the chain that says everything's going to be okay. Because every single fucking time I was ever terrified, it all worked out because it's an illusion. It's God trying to show courage. I am God. You are God. Trying to show courage against an imagined fear that you think is for real so that you could experience courageousness. How does a God show courage? You'd have to be terrified. And be courageous enough to face that terror and try again and rebuild. And dust yourself off and pick up the back up the sword and go back at the dragon. You'd have to say out loud to you and the parasite, it's me or you. Well, one way or another, we are both not coexisting. This is what I did. This is how I got out. Every fucking day for two years. Nah, it wasn't every day. But almost every single day for two years. I pulled out a pad and pen and went to work on my beliefs. I did Byron Katie's The Work. I did exactly what I'm telling you to do. Felt negative emotion. Processed it. Looked at my perception. Wrote it down. What do I have to believe about this? Looked at all my money beliefs. Found the big ones that dominate most of human society. Money's the root of all evil. and I don't deserve money. and You have to work hard for money. and Blah, 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 blah. I looked at my own workaholism. I looked at my not good enough story. I wrote it down. I literally wrote my way out of the labyrinth. Hello, good morning. The labyrinth that was created for you to show courage. With all the spiderweb of beliefs caused by a parasite. It's trying to make you afraid of unconditional love itself. How could you be afraid of unconditional love? 
unless you believed it wasn't real, unless you believed this hostile was, universe was hostile. When you believe the universe is hostile, then you have a, a number of dragons to face, don't you? Everything is a dragon. Which is just something to fear, is what I'm saying. It's a dragon. Right? Oh, this car cut me off. That's something to be afraid of. These drivers out here. Oh, oh the storm on the horizon. I better bat down the hatches. Oh. Oh, my lover doesn't want to talk to me today. Oh, my goodness. Oh. She might, she might leave me, or he might leave me, or they might leave me. Oh, my God. Oh. It's all so scary. Here's another way to look at it. Why else would fear exist? In all of existence. If you were unconditional love, if, you, if I'm right, let's just hypothetically think for a second that I'm right. And this isn't about self-righteousness, it's just a hypothetical. Let's just think for a second that I'm right, and that the only thing in all of existence is unconditional love. And unconditional love itself is God, and you are that love. You are a part of it, it is you. You are a part of all that is. You are all that is and there's only unconditional love, then why would fear exist? You can't have the hero's journey without courage. And you can't have courage without fear. You can't have fear without imagined or real danger. All danger is imagined, but you know what I mean. How could a God show courage? What if you chose to come play this game in order to challenge yourself to be courageous even in the face of certain death? Here's another example. Have you ever played a video game? I was playing a video game yesterday. I was playing an old school Metroid, Super Metroid. <clears throat> And you are the main character, right? Any, in most video games you play, you're the main character, but unless it's like a shared world video game or something. <clears throat> well, most video games you play, especially the old ones, you're the main character. But are you afraid when you play the game? There are some games that do do a really good job of scaring you. And the only thing you're really afraid of when playing a video game is if the avatar dies and you have to go back to whatever set point, like the beginning of the level, like let's imagine Mario, right? You're going through the level and it's really difficult and you got really far and you die, you have to go back to the beginning. That's the only thing that's really there, fear, is starting over. Like I was playing yesterday and I was like, oh crap, it's been a long time since I saved and then I died. I'm like, dang it! I'm going to start all the way back from here and redo this freaking maze. 
But other than that, you can't really be afraid when you're playing a video game. Because it doesn't have any, there's no real danger. It's not like if you die in the video game, you die in real life, or you even hurt in real life. It's not like if you die in the video game, someone comes and takes your money or your food supply or something. Hello. But then, think about this. What if you were imagining, or what if you bet real money on the game? Then it would start to, start to become dangerous. Why do you think gambling is a thing? So you can feel the sensation of fear while playing a game. You make the stakes higher and higher, and now you can get the thrill of it. Because if you're just playing blackjack for pennies, you can't really be afraid. You pay, play, blackjack, play blackjack with your whole paycheck, and if you lose, you don't make rent. Now you're going to get fucking scared. Do you get this? Are you hearing this? Why does fear exist? So you could show courage, so you could play with it, so you could experience it. Because this is the only place you can experience it. The horror show game of contrast, of physical reality. When there's darkness, good will always rise up to meet it. Because that's what we are. And we're making the dragon in order to play it, in order to face it. But you're God. And the more you remember that truth, the less fear you feel until the day comes where there is no fear anymore. Because you remember who you are and what you are. You remember you're playing a game and that nothing is actually under threat. There's no risk here. It's not that it doesn't matter. I heard that again from a seeker recently, two days ago. Nothing matters. No, that's not true. If it didn't matter, you wouldn't be here matters, otherwise you wouldn't be here playing the game. It's just that nothing is at risk. Nothing has meaning except the meaning you assign to it. Oh, if this person breaks up with me, it means God doesn't love me. Yeah, but without the meaning, drop the meaning, this person breaking up with you doesn't mean anything. It's just the seasons changing. The meaning is what gives you the fear of everything. Oh, my paycheck came up short, which means I'm going to have to fucking live in the, in the gutter. Or, if it had no meaning, it would just be numbers. 
Meaning is what gives things fear. The fear is there to show courage. The fear is there to experience. There are simply some people who like it and some people who don't. And yes, there are people who like the fear. I would say half the people on this planet love being afraid. They love the sensation. They're horror show enthusiasts. They love the horror movies. They love the things that go bump in the night. They love the night. They love being afraid of everything. And then there are those who are trying to find their way out of the labyrinth to not be afraid anymore. And I'm telling you, it's all about raising your consciousness. It's all about shifting perception until you see the truth. How do you make a God afraid? Wipe their memory. Make them think this place is all for real. And instill the ultimate fear that God doesn't love them or that its love is conditional upon its doing things. And now you have not just one dragon, but a sea of dragons to be afraid of. wind it down because this is one of those things that while I could keep talking about it this is more of a you thing just take 10 minutes take 10 minutes and really sit quietly morning, morning. sit quietly alone Maybe with a journal or just speaking out loud or just talking in your head or just talking to yourself or your heart or whatever. But think about it. Ponder it. How would a God show courage? No matter what you believe, no matter what you find, know that you are unconditionally loved no matter what, forever. I appreciate you listening my unconditional love to you. I hope it helps somehow. Hope it helps you shift perception of what you're afraid of. We are different waves on the same ocean, different mountains on the same range, one family, same heart. Be well, be gentle with yourselves and each other. Good journey, my friends.